0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. And so if you were here last week, you know we started a series entitled uh, RE, R-E, RE. We talked about the importance of being church. Not being at church, but the importance of being church. And we took a topic to talk about, why are we here? Because everything starts with a why. Everything starts with a why. And so, for the next few weeks, we'll continue in this theme of re. And today, we're going to talk about why it's important to remember. Why it's important to remember. Remember is a funny sounding word. Um, the original language. Uh, has the, the meaning of to call to mind. I think sometimes we think about remembering things and it's not based upon actions. It's just about going down memory lane. But if you look at the context of the word in Scripture and it's used often in Scripture, God is consistently and constantly calling us to remember. He's asking us to reflect with purpose. He's asking us to learn to evaluate and see what he's doing when he asks us to remember. I'll give you an example. In Luke 17, verse 32, he said, remember Lot's wife. And some people, y'all don't know who Lot's wife is, but so you start giggling. You knew like you that, was, that there was supposed to be an action associated with remembering Lot's wife. You can do it if you want to. It won't end well for you because it didn't end well for her. I like y'all. Y'all, y'all are so... Sophisticated, y'all said her, I said her. I'm from the projects. And so the the scriptures place this heavy emphasis on remembering. And we've been talking about in the new year the power of moments. And when we remember, we see ourselves in a greater story. When we remember, we see our story in his story. And God is calling on us, and we in and and, 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 and leading us to remember for purpose. And we're going to take communion today, which is an a, a, a ordinance of the church that God has given us, and we're going to share that. But I just want to share my story real quick. Some of you guys have heard my story. Some of you guys haven't been with us that long. Some of you guys, it's your first week. Good to see you. I want to share my story real quick, my journey, and how my journey intertwines with your journey and your journey and my journey collectively intertwines with God's story. And so I'm going to pick up my story. I wish I had my glasses. Y'all know I keep doing this? No glasses there. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to start in late 2009. Late 2009. Um, we were a part of a church community called Austin Christian fellowship. Some of you guys were also a part of that fellowship. And I was working as a software engineer and looking to join a small group. And if I'm being honest, I was a little bit challenged in my walk at that point in my life because, you see, I had been called to preach much earlier. I've been called. People used to always tell me, you're going to pastor one day. And I really never had a heart to pastor. So don't don't, don't let it turn you off. But I never really had a heart to pastor. I just wanted to love Jesus and tell other people about loving Jesus. You see, I had this idea in my head what a pastor was based upon what I had seen. And so I didn't want to be a pastor. I was okay with pastors, I wasn't a pastor basher, but I didn't want to be one. I wanted to just do what I did build applications and websites. And, and, and come home to my family. And when I came across you, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. And every once in a while, pastor would ask me to come and preach and I would come and preach and I would hang out with kids and teach students. But other than that, I was Gucci. I said that to keep the kids awake. They say, who you say Gucci? Y'all don't say that no mother? All am up. do Don't worry about it, I'ma upgrade. I'ma get you in a minute. And so at this point in my walk, at this point in my life, I had to recognize power of moments. And I said, you know what? This church is all about small groups. Let me go find a small group. So I searched small groups. We visited a couple of small groups. And listen, if you're looking for a small group here and they don't fit, go to another one. Because sometimes people, listen, listen, you ain't just got to hang out with people you don't like. I'm just saying. I'm saying. Sometimes you just ain't like Christians. Give it a shot. But if it ain't the one for you, move on. Because some of the small groups we went to, it was like watching paint, dry. I'm saying they were great people, but it was like, nah, these not our peoples. This is this, this not how we, we need to be rolling. My wife laughs at me about that. I'm just being honest. She ain't going to be honest. She didn't like it either. <laughs> then we visited another small group, and then another small group. And then this third small group, uh, they gave me the opportunity to share the small group. And I shared and half the people said, "Uh, if you start a small group, we're going with you. I said, listen, I'm not here to break up small groups, but I think I'm going to start my own because I I just wasn't connecting with people. It wasn't because of anything other than God had called me to something and I had to be obedient to what I was doing. And another thing, it was 45 minutes away. The church was 45 minutes away. And so to get the small group and we had younger children, you had to get all the way across. I said, you know, I'm going to start one in my neighborhood and I didn't want to take nobody with me. I said, y'all stay over here. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to start my own small group in my neighborhood. Why? Because God had called me to do something different. Well, eventually. We started a small group and eventually that small group grew between 12 and 20 people, because you know how y'all are sometimes on whatever night you meet on, you just tired, you don't want to come in. So between 12 and 20 people and it's not so much a small group anymore. And So then my small group multiplied to two small groups. And in the meanwhile, I was doing that. I went and I, uh, I, 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 I got roped into uh, a missions trip by a wonderful missions director who stands back there and stood here this morning to go with some children to Shawmet, Louisiana. Don't say nothing. I'm, no, I'm gonna okay. Keep it dignified. Go Eagles. Um. And so we went down there, and some stuff happened, and the senior pastor had to fly out, and 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 and, and God, and like at the time it was chaotic, but God had created that moment. God had created that moment, and why? You say, why do you remember this random moment? It wasn't random. I'm remembering y'all. God had created that moment. The senior pastor flew down, and I handled some things as if the senior pastor was there. Uh, 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 He had to come out of from Austin to Chalmette, outside of New Orleans, and it was handled. And then that put me on his radar. It put me on his radar. So God created a moment that I had to step into. Listen, I didn't want to step into the moment. I won't get into the moment. I don't want to step into the moment because it was uncomfortable. But sometimes you got to do what you feel like God is leading you to do. Now, hear me. Pastoring this church is not even an inkling in my mind. Because, again, I love what I do. I build software. I build programs. I do stuff like that. I get paid good money for doing it. And I don't want to do this, but I had to do what God called me to do in that moment. So sometimes God leads us into these uncomfortable moments. For reason, for purpose. So anyway, fast forward, that's about 2010 uh 2011 I meet with the senior pastor of the church. And mind you I had been a minister before and when I went to this church I didn't go in there saying I'm ordained I'm licensed I do this. no 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 I'm not trying to do this I'm just I'm just here. And to give you a bit more of context it was a big church four services like you can you, you can go to church and you never see the same person twice. And God called me out of that to have a meeting with his name is Will Davis. And Will Davis, he, he greeted me. He said, he said, God loves you and I have a plan for your life. That's what he told me. Another divine meeting, a divine moment. That's about October 2011. Then we, we, we met then. And then he said, listen, I, I, I'm not sure about what I'm sensing is going on, but I'm just being obedient to God. Um, let's meet again next month with my executive team, and they were interviewing me, and I didn't know I was being interviewed. And so I met with the executive team, and they p- presented to me, listen, we're planning these campuses. We've already planted two campuses, about 250 members, uh, uh, and, and, and we're feeling like we want you to plant in East Austin because we heard you came from East Austin. Maybe you want to go to plant in East Austin. I said, I'm not going back to East Austin. <laughs> and the East Austin that you plant planting in is not the East Austin I used to live in. I said, what are you looking for in a community pastor for this East Austin plant? He said, well, I just grew up over there. I mean, I I grew up in West Austin. I have friends in East Austin. And we feel like God is leading us to to, to reach that demographic. And I said, what demographic? And he said, you know, like people who live in East Austin. I said, have you been to East Austin lately? (laughs) Because if you're trying to plant where there's, you know, there's hookah bars and hipster lounges, uh, I, that's just not my style. Hey, I can hang out with anybody, but if you think that I'm going there and that's the demographic that you used to know, that's not the demographic no more. And he said, so what do you think God is leading you to be? I said, I live in Pflugerville. My house in Pflugerville. My kids hang out in Pflugerville. My neighbors in Pflugerville. Pflugerville. He said, okay, okay. By the way, if you leave me to plant in East Austin, you to have to pay me a whole lot of money because it's expensive in East Austin. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, but I meant it. I mean, I thought it. <laughs> and so we came to Pflugerville, and they say, "Listen, you start praying about it. We are gonna start praying about it over here, and then we'll come and we'll see what God says in a short period of time." So two months passed. I have another meeting this time with the elders and. And, and they're interviewing me. And, and 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 by this time, I'm getting a little bit excited, Sister Nisi, because, you know, I, I remember those prophecies back in the day that you're going to pastor one day. And I'm like, mm, God, is this really you? And God, I mean, really, is it you? And so I started casting fleece before God. I did. I said, God, if this is you, I need you. Listen, I need you because I'm persuasive. I can persuade people. I, I can interview well. I need you to open doors that only you can open, and shut them closed, lock them down, don't let me even pry them open even if I wanted to. And so I started showing up to these interviews kind of nonchalantly. They're like, so what you thinking about? I said, what you want to do? <laughs> you acting like you really don't want the job. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to go where God called me to go. I'm, but on the inside, I'm like, please. <laughs> because I'm starting to feel peace about it. Um in the interim January 2012 I preached my first sermon there. The sermon title was our big God has a great big plan for your life. Little did I know I was setting myself up. February of 2012 I got an email. It said, "Hey, we want to are you are you even interested in the job like you just kind of too cool for school." I said, yeah, I'll have a couple more meetings. If you want to have a couple more meetings, we'll talk about it. We'll see what God is doing. And on the inside, I'm like, God, please. April 2012. Now, you know, I started talking about 2011. Now, it's April 2012, and God still hasn't put me or placed me in the role. Still being interviewed. Uh, but by this time, when I told you that uh, God, I prayed to God, open doors that only you can open and close them. The ones that only you can close. I was working at a startup at the time, I kid you not, and the owner flew down from, uh, uh, where he from? Up yonder. Cleveland, I think. I think he was from Cleveland. And he flew down because the director of the uh, Austin shop was just running the the, the company into the ground. And he came to my office. He said, listen, I need to meet with you today. You have time on your your plate. He's the owner. Like, I'm going to say, no. You know, I said, yeah, I have this lunch appointment. But after my lunch appointment, I'll come back and we'll meet. Little did he know that the lunch appointment was with the church because they were going to interview me a little further. And so I got in the car and I and I called to God's memory. I said, "God, I said, God, um, remember I said open doors that only you can open and shut them so that I can't even pry them open, like." It's getting real. This is the last. I mean, I am sensing this is the last interview, and i, I, I you gotta show me something because the boss man is trying to talk to me, and I don't know when maybe he wanted because I knew that the director wasn't, you know, doing what he was supposed to do. Maybe I was gonna get a promotion because I was really running the company. Me and Ryan, like it was crazy. I, we we had hired Ryan as a contractor, and Ryan was working his full-time job, and me and Ryan were doing all the software apps. Well, Ryan was kind of, he was helping me. I was doing all of work. Ryan was getting paid all the money. I ain't gonna talk about that. I ain't talk about that. We were just duct taping stuff together. We, I mean, and listen, we had clients. That like, like, like I, I got to tell the story. Like I got to tell the story. Like Sony Latin America called me one day. Sony. Like, not, not Sony. Sony. Dare, since you want to just correct the people, way people talk. <laughs> and they called me up and they were like, hey, uh, we need our passwords. I'm like, I didn't know y'all was a client. <laughs> Deloitte and Touche, H-E-B, Home Depot. This was my client list. And so I'm like, yeah, God, like, are we moving this way? Are we moving this way? Because this is the cross world. So I go to the interview. I feel like I nailed the interview. But the elders told me at the end, they say, we, we just, we, we, you, you just, you just you, you're perplexing us. We don't know what to do with you. Like, we're just going to be honest. We don't know what to do with you. How you say, and I don't know if it's a compliment or what, but they say, you're kind of like a diamond in the rough. I'm like, I don't know how to take that. I say I'm rough around the edges. I am a little hood, but come on. And so I leave that meeting. I'm like, "All right, they don't want me." Right? I go back to my job and I pull into my boss's office with a grin, a little little skip in my step. And he said, Stan, He said these exact words: "The doors to the company are closing." He said, "You got three months runway. We got three months worth of pay. You can go home and work from there, clean out your desk, go home and work. And if we don't find nothing else, too bad. So sad." So now, my options are kind of, <laughs> because I'm waiting on this. I've been interviewing for this for like a year now, and this over here just dried up. So do I go out? I got skills. I can go out and get another job. Do I go out and get another job, or do I wait on this? And so I try to go and help them. I'm going to celebrate a little bit and say, listen, I just lost my job, so you know, if, if y'all want to speed this up a little bit, let me know what's happening. Three months later. They say, yeah, um, we're going to hire you, but we're going to hire you on a probationary period. We're going to hire you as an intern. Listen, I'm 40 years old. I'm 40, 38 years old. I got four kids at home and, and a house full of them all the time. I can't be living off no intern salary. I got this house. I haven't been able to, to really make my mortgage payment because I lost my job. And so, God, you're going to have to do something. Like. Right now, right now. I have some friends. I won't divulge names, but y'all don't know them anyway. I have some friends who made lots and lots and lots of money. The bank is going to foreclose on my home, and I'm really worried now. I'm trying to call on some old memories about God. Like, God, you made a way in the past. You need to make a way right now. You need to come through right now because I really like my house, and I don't want to have to lose it. And so... A friend of mine, I didn't reach out. I, listen, listen, listen. I didn't get ahead of God, but a friend of mine reached out to me. And he said, listen, I will buy your house because I understand that the bank said that you're going into foreclosure. I will buy the house. And then what you can do is you can rent it from me until you get back up on your feet. And then you can buy it back from me. Remember I told God to open doors that only he can open and close doors that only he can close. I'm like, OK, God, these doors are opening. This is the kind of man. He don't wait on the phone for nobody. And so when you're dealing with foreclosures, you're calling people, you're calling people, you call you and you're talking to people, and they forget your, your case number, and then they lost paperwork. And so I don't know how he did. He, got, he called one time. He was talking to the president of the bank. He's like, listen, I want to buy my friend's house. I will buy it at market value. Let's do this. Let's make this deal happen. Like, he's the kind of dude that just makes stuff happen. And the president of the bank said, that's not what we do. It's already entered foreclosure. We're going to go ahead and foreclose on it. God, I thought you opened the door. God, I ain't got no job. I ain't got no house. God, you got to do something. Now, Sean was waiting on what I felt like God was saying that I was supposed to pastor this church. But I can go and make some money. I, I can go like I have skills. I've been doing it for 15 years. I can go get a job. Let me go get that job. And then. The church calls. All right. It's a mega church. They got multiple campuses. And they say, you remember we are going to hire you? We want to hire you, and here's your salary. I said, what, what, what's in here?" <laughs> Somebody told me pastors got paid. And so we downsized. We moved from 4,100 square feet with six people. 1,100 square feet. Watch this. With nine people, how do we pick up people on the way? (laughs) Because I remember I was telling God, I was saying, God, listen, like, you know, this house has always been yours. Like I've always, we've always gave the best and we've always just let people live with us and stuff like that. Like, God, if I have to move into 1,100 square feet, how are we going to do it? God said, I'm going to show you how you're going to do it. And And three more people coming with you. And we became the community pastors of ACF Northeast. That was in 2013. We hadn't had a service yet. We started doing community Bible study in Wells Branch. It wasn't until February of 2014 that we started having services at the primary school. And y'all remember the load in and load out days. And in the meanwhile, like, the church was doing amazing stuff. Let me brag on you guys for a little bit. We were doing amazing stuff, and in February 2014, we were launched out. This is the foyer of North uh, ACF on a Saturday night service. That's us. Let get the next picture so they can see who us is. You only got one of them. That's us. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, y'all were like, oh, y'all left us a big. No, it was like 12 of us. And we went out, and we started a community. And at the time, uh, my my lead pastor and my mentor, he was in these pastor strategic councils with these big churches around the city that plan a lot of different uh, churches. And, and 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 here's the thing. And listen, it is what it is. And so a lot of these churches are predominantly white, right? And y'all know we don't really care about ethnicity around what we do, but you know what I mean. Like like we just we just roll the way we roll. But anyway, they were predominantly white, and so demographics and church planning. People, experts, they say that you, well, what y'all trying to do, you ain't going to be able to do. It's not very successful. One, not only because y'all are a different demographic, but because, because, not because, not y'all, not because the lead pastor is a different demographic, and he hood a little bit too, but he's almost an hour away. That doesn't work. And I was like, okay, God, you led me to it. We're going to have to do it. And all these other churches around the city, they won't mind me saying this, Gateway, Life Church. A uh, uh, hill country. I'm hanging out with all these dudes in meetings, and they're like, "We're watching you to see what you can do out there because we haven't been able to crack the code." I said, "You ain't met my ain't met my small group. <laughs> you crazy? Right, Tiffany, Tiffany, remember that? We used to hang out at the house. D Town. <laughs> Nicole was in the small group. Gail, the Nowakowskis. We're like, you ain't met our small group. we diverse." Blue is gonna love us, <laughs> and I'm remembering God what you said. I'm I'm telling this story way too long, but I ain't going nowhere. All right, <laughs> it's entertaining, it's entertaining. And so we load into our schools. First obstacle, first service. Hundred people show up. We killing it. First service, a hundred people. People walking in going, oh, I didn't know it was in the school. <laughs> I don't do school church. <laughs> oh, you don't preach? You told me you was a pastor. I am the pastor. I'm the community pastor. I mean, you know, we don't get we, we have coffee. We talk. We do small groups. Who's the man on the screen? Oh, that's the senior pastor. He's going he gonna to be teaching every week. Well, see, what happened was, you know, I'm going to teach sometimes and he's going to teach most of the time. Oh, that's what that is. We quickly grew the church from the first service, 100 people to the second service, like 45. We're not talking about addition or multiplication. We're talking about subtraction. We're going, God, you called us out here. God, you called us to it. I left some stuff out. Our first, our first, our first, our first uh, informational meeting when the Yeks were there and Jay was there to the know. And like we sit around these tables and every other community that launched out had 250 people they launched out with. We had 12 at our first information meeting, and. Will went around the table and said, why are you, because he was a big why guy, why are you going out to Northeast Community Church, ACF Northeast? And one after another, Gary, God, Dave, because God told me to. Because God told me to. And so I'm riding on high because I'm saying God is, God is not only making the vision about, you know, like making my vision come past, pass, but he's bringing other people alongside to help with the vision. This is awesome, God. And then we're loading in and loading out. In the first couple of months, it was awesome. We had more help than we needed. And every week, it was the same, folks. Every week, loading in, loading out. We walked around looking like zombies. I'm serious. we trying to preach, and we just, I'm trying to preach, and I'm just like, man, I, 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 I remember I cut my hand one time. I dropped a pole on my foot. I'm out here trying to preach, and I'm just injured every week. I'm like the Saints offensive line every week. I'm going to leave the Saints alone. I hope y'all win today. Y'all got to know, if you're a Saints fan, it's because Darius has been giving me the blues. He's been texting me since last night, and I was trying to prepare the sermon, and he bothered me. I was not watching no game. And so then, January 2015 hits. January 2015 hits. And we're told that we can no longer be a part of Austin Christian Fellowship. You put me in a very challenging predicament right here we, we around this time, we have about 20 members. How are we going to sustain ourselves? How are we going to keep on paying the rent every month? What are we going to do? I ain't never had to preach every week. Like, I can preach. Like, you know, I can give you a good 10 sermons a year, but every week? That takes work. We got one small group, and times are hard and challenging. might be asking, why did you go down memory lane like this? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> just have nothing prepared to talk about today. No, I'm joking. The power of moments. Because it was a time that I was ready to give up. It was a time when some of you sitting in this room right now, you've been ready to give up. Some people who were on the journey with us, they gave up and they walked away. And I'm not talking about going to another church. Listen, you go to another church, God bless you. Listen, we've, from this church, we have two people who are now currently worship pastors who used to be a part. Like if you're going to go do something, like go, like go. If you're going to another church because this is not a fit, go. We are part of the church of Jesus Christ. Not We're not just a church. And so go do those things. But I'm talking about there's some people who walked away from the faith. Challenged. So, God, I was like, God, like, what are we doing? And over this journey, I got weary. Over this journey, I got tired. And to be honest with you, I'm just now recovering from some of the stuff that we've been through as a church. Just now. We've done some awesome things as a small church. Listen. Every fifth Sunday, our serving opportunity that we've done, and I'm bragging on you guys right now. I'm not bragging on myself. Y'all have showed up and worked hard. When other people who are along on the journey go, no, uh, no. You go to church on Sunday. You don't be the church on Sunday. I got time for all that. I got to go get a word. Why well, would you go and be the word? Or when I'm on vacation. And I get a phone call. No, I wasn't on vacation. I was in Nicaragua. And I get a phone call and there was a family who were being put out of their house. I made one phone call. And by the time I got back, the person who was in Nicaragua with me, who told me about his family member who was being put out of the house, said, your church showed up. They got my sister and her daughter totally moved. They brought food. And they were saying, you. You're part of an awesome church. He was like, that's not my church. It's a guy I'm in Nicaragua's church. Or oh, when I was on vacation and I go on, on on the Internet and I look and I had all these images. I had these pictures up here, but my, my technology didn't work. And I look and I look at the Austin American statesman and I see my church serving. And it's the front is the article in, 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 in Austin American statesman going and serving someone on a fifth Sunday that they don't know. Or when we go down to Haiti, not Haiti, when we go down to Honduras, it starts with H, I'm sorry. When we go down to Honduras and we're like, we're a small church. How can we support a program and within two weeks every child is sponsored so much so that they can open up another wing of the program and then all those kids are now sponsored? And when we go down there with a small team, anybody who was on that team, you know, they were this national organization said, we have mega churches coming down here, but we've never seen a church serve like this church. The power of moments. And so I'm telling you all this this morning to tell you that I have memories with God, and a lot of these memories with God are contingent upon the things that you've showed up, and you were just obedient to God, and it stirred me. It's helped the church be what the church currently is. And listen, this is just the beginning. I spill that all up in my shana. <laughs> so I just want you guys to be encouraged this morning because you guys, listen, listen, listen. We are an unlikely story. The average startup church doesn't last past two years. We have been in places where it looked like we was on, on life support. It really did. And even our planning church, I call it a plan, our, our pushing church, our pushing church, even our pushing church, when we used to go and look at the numbers on week, or just, just by sheer amount of giving, they used to always say, are you talking about money every week? I say, we don't even pass the plate. What are you talking about? You guys have reached down and you have given at a cap that these mega churches couldn't even keep up with. Per person, you have given more and we have been able to do more than people who outnumber us 10, 20 fold. And so when I remember, I started this, I'm going to preach in a minute. So now I'm remembering what this church means to me. I'm remembering your efforts. And this morning, I want to call to remembrance your story. Because we all got a story. We all have a role. We all play a role. And I see it in some of our eyes. We're just kind of going through the motions. And God is saying, listen, 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 listen. The best is yet to come. Stick with me. Okay, so I'm going to move real quick now. Cut your mouth on the front row. Y'all got to go home with me. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. And if you and don't pay no attention to them. I'm really not this long-winded most of the time. I'm just emotional this morning. All right. Sometimes you get in the Word, and the guy just kind of shows you something, and you're like, I just got to tell our church what they mean to me. And that our stories are intertwined. First, P- I mean, Second Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Why is Paul so serious about reminding the church? Well, Paul was waxing poetic. He was being really reflective on his life. Shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten for the sake of the gospel. And he knew that God had placed special gifts, special abilities, special talents in the people that God had called him to lead. And based upon all that, he said, therefore. He said, therefore. Remember when we see therefore, we go back and see what the therefore is. Therefore, he said, therefore, I intend always to remind you. Listen, listen, Cherie, I'm always going to remind you because there's something on the inside of you. And I will be negligent to let you forget what's on the inside of you. Christine, there's something on the inside of you. Haley, uh huh, in the inside of you, I'll be negligent if I forget. Shantae, nope, I can't. I got to remind you. I got to remind you. I got to remind you, Jody. I remind you, Christian. Nat, OK, I remind you, Mr. Nasworth. OK, OK. People watching you. Tiffany, there's something on the inside of you. I got to remind you. Listen, if you're showing up here on Sunday mornings to hear something new, sorry. I don't got no new revelation for you. The Bible was written over 2,000 years ago by all these men, and it stood the test of time, and ain't nothing new under the sun. I'm not going to tell you nothing that you ain't heard before if you've been a Christian more than I don't know how many years. Maybe you're a baby Christian and you never heard some of this stuff before, but if you've been a Christian and you've been reading your Bible, I ain't going to tell you nothing new, but I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. I'm a call to your memories. I'm a call to your memory. I want you to actively engage with me and say, when I'm reminding you, oh yeah, God did gift me in that area. Oh yeah, I am supposed to be loving my neighbor. Oh yeah, I am supposed to be loving my spouse. Listen, if you're looking for something new, we ain't got it. If you go to a church where they got something new, run. You know, some folks, they just thought, like, well, my interpretation, of the, no, 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 run. Nope, 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 we're not doing that. God has already spoken. I'm just here to remind you. I'm just here to remind you. Look at this. He says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. What qualities? The qualities that he's placed on the inside of you. God is trying to work something out of you, and he brings them forth when you remember. He says, don't you know them? He's like, "Zuri, I ain't telling you nothing new. You know. You know what God is doing on you. I ain't telling you nothing new. And you're establishing that truth that you already have. You already possess it. My gift is just to activate it and call to remembrance so that we can pull it out. And we can put it right before you. And you can see who you are. I'm just a mirror. I'm not the mirror, but I'm a mirror. To remind you. Paul said as long as I'm alive, I'm going to do it. I love Paul. Now, listen, maybe when I get older, I might start. Paul used to preach like, listen, I don't know how much longer I got with y'all. These old knees are tired. So y'all better get what y'all can get while y'all can get it, because I'm going to go. I'm not going to preach like that, because I'm, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to fly. So why does God want us to remember these things? Listen, 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 because it teaches us to trust him. It teaches us to trust him. Watch this, Mark 8, chapter 16. Mark 8, chapter 16. I'm going to fly through these scriptures. Y'all forgive me. I just took too long on my story earlier, but I was passionate. I'm sorry. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Why were they talking about no bread? Why are you with Jesus and Jesus unperformed a miracle and you sit up here talking about no bread? That's like being with Mr. Chick-fil-A and you talking about where the chicken is. Come on, man. You sit up here grumbling amongst yourself without no bread. You didn't go to Jesus and say that you didn't eat no uh, about the bread. But the Bible tells us that Jesus heard them. It says, and Jesus was aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? See, Jesus said what I just said. Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Listen, we so easily have hardened hearts. Are your hearts hardened? Have you not learned to trust me yet? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke five loaves for 5,000, how many full baskets of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him 12. And they didn't say 12 like 12 like they were sighted to say. They probably were like 12. (laughs) And the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets of broken bread And they said to him seven. They were intimate with the experience. They knew the answer. But they weren't in the practice of remembering. Listen, we done did it twice. And you still talking about bread. You've experienced me in a way that nobody has experienced God before. And you still talking about bread. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Listen, our understanding is often predicated on remembering. We're so short sighted. We're so forgetful. And God is saying, you can't do that. If you're experiencing me, listen, God gives us experiences for us to call upon in our times of need. God gives us experiences so that we can know him more deeply and more fully. God gives us experience. And we should know this by now, Northeast Community Church, that we can trust him. And he doesn't waste tears and he doesn't waste experiences. Some of you in the room today, you've had some experiences of God and you're living beneath your privilege, but you. you refuse to remember what God has done for you. You're too busy going on to the next. Trying to figure out the new revelation, trying to figure out the easy road. Listen, ain't nobody found the easy road in over 2000 years. You ain't going to find the easy road. Easy road ain't there. Easy road. It's not there. I wish we had an easy button like on that Office Depot commercial. Just easy button. Challenge with my faith, easy button. Give me more faith, God. Challenge with my faith, let me just shout a little bit and I'm going to feel better. It, it, It don't work that way. You still shout, but it don't work that way. But what you do is you call on your experiences with God. Man, when I was hurting. Man, when I was down. Man, God, you made a way. I tell some people my story sometimes. I started in 2009. I tell people my story sometimes. People tell me, you should write a memoir. Because you shouldn't be standing. And I say, I know. And listen, I'm hard. I'm. This is your past being transparent. I'm hard on myself because I know how far I've come. I know how far I've come. From sleeping in a bed where you had to sleep with the sheets over your head because the rats would run across your body at night. From not having nothing to eat, from stealing water from the next door neighbor because our water cut, cut off. But we had gas though. So i was stealing water from the water hose to heat up the, the bathtub water in the pot so I can take a bath. But then the gas in the water was off. I just showed the school just smelling like I smelled. <laughs> Y'all have to deal with this today. That's why I fought so much. Why you smell like that? Pow, I'm mad because I ain't got no food in the house and I'm hungry and, and ain't no water. I can't bathe. My mother was a drug dealer, so I know God can make a way. My first experience, my first memory of my mother, she was stabbing someone in my living room and the cops were showing up. Not my first, one of my first memories. Cocaine all over the living room as a little kid. I'm just looking at it like this. that's one of the reasons I, ain't, I I've seen drug addiction straight on. The FBI coming to my grandma's house looking for my uncle because he's a Black Panther, and he's plotting to blow stuff up. These are the people I looked up to growing up. Shootouts in my front yard. These are the people I looked up to growing up. And when I was six years old, I seen a woman stabbed with an ice pick. I wasn't supposed to make it out of my environment. Listen, listen, you know why I know that? Because nobody else I grew up with did. I can't name our friend I grew up with who ain't either dead or in jail or been to jail. And so if I can say God can make a way. This little po' boy from the projects who didn't know how to talk right. Y'all think I talk bad now. Come on. I have to work at it. I have to work to get this good. But God can make it away and that's my story you have a story and there are people in your path that have similar stories to your story and when you remember god and you make it a practice of actively remembering god listen and then you actively want to get into their life you can go man i can remember and you can share your story with them and then their story like your stories are connected to my story their stories become connected to your story and then we're all a part of his story it ain't that hard the gospel ain't that hard, but we are so easily distracted. Second Timothy two, three through seven. Second Timothy two, three through seven. To share in suffering as good as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Listen, you don't get caught up in other stuff. You don't get distracted when your aim is right. And remember us, help us, remember and help us keep our aim. Verse 7 he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over, remember, remember God's word. God is calling us to remember his word, and it keeps us from getting distracted. He goes on to talk about athletes not getting caught up. They run they race. He talks about uh, soldiers not getting get any. Thank you for all the people who served in the military today. I see a couple of people. Bam, 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 bam. I see y'all. y'all see, I see y'all. I see y'all. I see y'all. Listen, thank y'all so much for doing what y'all do. But y'all know when y'all were soldiers, y'all couldn't get distracted. When you got distracted, people died. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I'm a soldier. I ain't got time worrying about civilian stuff. Maybe we should start doing in in... I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. (laughs) Because we forget we're soldiers. We forget that we have been enlisted to be a force against the kingdom of darkness. We forget. But God is calling us to remember. We getting caught up trying to do what everybody else is doing. They at the club turning up. We up in there with them. Jesus hung out with sinners. But he had purpose. (laughs) (laughs) He had a hand. He had he had a reason for hanging out with sinners, not so that his sin could be just like Jesus. He had no sin. So Jesus went up there, just turned up with him just because, hey. <laughs> he didn't do that. He went with purpose, he had an aim. He knew he was part of something bigger than him. He couldn't get caught up in what the sinners were doing. I'm going to move on. My wife is shaking her head really heavy up here. I got to go home with that food. All right. (laughs) Why else do we forget? Why else do we not remember? Because we're forgetful. James 1, 22, 25. James 1, 22, 25. We forget because we're not actively pursuing. We forget because we're not actively pursuing. This is, but be doers of the word. What does it mean to be a doer of the word? Hear it, do it. Simon says, hear it, do it. Hear it, do it. Not hear it, meditate on it, see lie. No, no, no. Hear it, do it. I'm going to think about if I'm going to do that. I'm going to think, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. I've been, I've, I've been, t- how many people now, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to convict yourself. How many people this year you said yeah, this year is going to be the year I'm going to do what God told me to do. Then by next week, when you ain't done it, are you going to wait till next year? Don't say amen, just say ouch. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Because when you're only a hearer, you deceive yourself. I'm going to get around to it. You have a mind to just hear. There are people who just like hearing the word. And as a preacher, you can see them sometimes when you go to different denominations, different cults. Like, like you just, you it, 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 like, amen is a reflex. Like, you like, you, you had your eyes closed. How are you, amen? You just use this reflex, amen. <laughs> you're just a hearer of the word. But we have to be doers of the word so that we don't, it's hard. The enemy's trying to deceive us. The world's trying to deceive us. And if we're just hearers of the word, we're deceiving us. Listen, we're just deceived. This is for if anyone, is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen, listen, listen. God sent his word for us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you do what I say do. But if you ain't doing it, it's like you just look at yourself in the mirror. Some of, y- some of us lucky, like I like looking at myself in the mirror. I'm a handsome man. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. <laughs> I walk past the mirror, I'm like, Boy, you killing it today. <laughs> no way, but I know some of y'all thought it. It's okay. But he said, it's like looking in the mirror, looking at yourself according to the word, and you see that they're, and then you walk away and you forgot what you look like. You forgot your nose was your nose. You thought you had Halle Berry nose. You got your big mama nose with the nose you got. It's okay. But you go and you forget what you look like. But when you do, you act, you see yourself for who you are, and it's all about transparency with God. It's all about intimacy with God, and so God is telling us to remember so that we can be intimate with Him. So God can begin to rearrange and work on the things in your life. Listen, if you've been working, if you're a Christian, and I'm just gonna I'm, listen, this might bite me in the butt one day. I don't, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Most stuff do bite me in the butt, but if you say you've been working on something for 15 years now. You got to speed up that process. You got to get a project manager or something, because this, this, it's just way too long. But I know I'm, I know I'm mean. Are you okay with that? I know I'm petty. I'm just so petty. It's okay with you? It's like each Christian, we find one vice, and we say, this is mine, and we be ready to play it. Just like that wild card when you're playing spades. Boy, I got the hot joker. <laughs> play it if you want to, right? right? They pick four and uno for the kids. Pick, draw, draw four. It ain't pick four. Draw four. <laughs> and we play, this, we, we play this weakness. Walk around. I'm a Christian, but ain't nobody perfect. And this is mine. And you okay with that? It's be ye holy for I am holy. Be perfect, cause I am perfect. Don't mean you ever get there, but you strive towards it. I was hearing somebody the other day. They were talking about like they don't go to church, and I'm like, don't blame not going to church on hypocrites, cause they at your job too, and you up there you're at the club, and you up in there you're at the barber shop, you're at the grocery store, you ain't gonna stop eating. But the notion was that people are turned off by Christians. Because Christians hide things that that that, that 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 they have to the world. But listen, when we get in the church, we, we 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 know we're not measuring up, so we 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 play the card. And what that does is tell people to back up off me. Like, like I know I'm supposed to be in Christian community and we're supposed to be accountable with each other, but no, that's my weakness. Like, brother, touch everything else, but don't no, no, don't don't do that. Like when you were a kid, you used to clean up your room, and your mama going in there, and where you hid all the toys, she could you you try to stand in front of her so she couldn't see stand in front of the bed. All them toys just pushed under the bed. Or the clouds are like, no, nah, mom, you ain't got to go in the closet. <laughs> that's what I'm just saying. Hey, are good. Tighten that up. And that's what we do. We do that. No, you ain't got Listen, listen, don't look there. And Jesus sees it all. And we're being inauthentic and we lose sight of who we are because of that. Finally, Not finally, second to the finally. (laughs) We have wandering hearts. We have wandering hearts. Revelation 2, 4 and 5. Remember, this is addressed to the church. Revelation, addressed to the church. But I have this against you. And so in in, in, in the churches. In the book of Revelation, God has something good to say about each church except for the church of Laodicea. He had nothing good to say about them. But in all the other churches, he told them, and he told this church, he said, Man, y'all are doing it. Like, y'all don't take false teaching. Y'all, 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 y'all doing church. Like, I would want to join y'all church. That's it my paraphrase. Jesus said, But I would want to join this church. Because on the outside, looking in, it looks okay. It looks awesome. You guys are doing what church folks do. He says, But I have this against you. Because Jesus sits right through to the soul. He says that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Some translations say you have abandoned your first love. You walked away from me. Y'all are having good church. Worship team on point. You've made a way. You're in the back. Yeah. And my back is against the wall. Thank you, Jesus. Hands raised. Anybody got to help you? We ain't got to prod you. Word comes out. You bring out your phones. You bring out your notes. You take notes like you you have in church. But you're cold. You've abandoned your first love. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. (laughs) Repent and do the works that you did at first. Remember when you first got saved compared to now, you're, you're now saved. Is that saved the same saved? Are you telling everybody about Jesus anymore? Like when, you first, when you first heard about Jesus, you're like, why ain't nobody told me about this before? You just got to go tell people. Oh, my God, you're like the woman at the well. You're like, man, listen, I met this man named Jesus my life. Listen, I don't smoke no more. I don't listen to Tupac no more. I don't watch radio movies no more. I don't do nothing. I, I mean, I'm just so clean. And now you, yeah, I mean, you know, I smoke a little something once in a while. Not that it's bad, but I'm just saying. When first you were, you were. I was not touching none of that stuff. I won't. I won't go. I won't looking at the same TV shows because they were filthy. oh I right, burdened my eyes during the commercial breaks at the football game because the butt-wiser girls. I was just looking the other way. And now you're pausing it. Man, yeah. She's... yeah she, all right, she all right. If I wasn't married about 30 years younger and about 40 pounds lighter, you still wouldn't have a chance with her. Still wouldn't have a chance with her. You he said, repent and do the works that you did at first. Now that was all jokes. I'm not talking about just becoming just this religious radical nut. But I'm saying the stuff that used to offend you, some of the stuff that used to offend you, still offend you. When you first got saved, someone offended you, and you read in the Bible, you were like, "Man, if somebody got something against you, get it right with them." All right, and you just run, like, because you you didn't want you didn't want that to fall out for you. That experience, that feeling, you you, you wanted that. And Now. Hmm. When you were first saved and, and the doors of the church opened up, you was in there. And Now, they ain't going to miss me. I'm about 20, 25, 35 minutes late. You get to 35 minutes late, they ain't, they, they ain't going to miss me. Yeah, Sean preached long anyway, so yeah. You still got time to get here. If not, I will come. Watch this. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I don't know about you. That's scary. And we wonder why churches die. This is not a condemnation against anybody because we all have shortcomings. We all have weaknesses. We wonder why 1,200 pastors walk away from the ministry a month, never to return. Jesus said, if you don't repent. I'm going to come put out your lampstand. You're going to be working. I, I, I'm going to come and put out the light. Lights off. Remember where you come from. Remember where you've come from. I have one more, but I'm not going to do it. We're going to go into communion. If you want to read the it latest Ephesians 2. 11 and 12, same notion as revelations, revelation. Don't forget who you used to be. Some of us in here, we, we, we hold our, our nose real high around sinners. Paul said, of which I am the chief. <laughs> we categorize ourselves when we, when we separate ourselves from them because their sin is different from the way that I sin. See, I got the Christian Uno card. I'm petty, but they sleep around. I'm petty, but they go out and they don't just drink a little bit. They drink into drunkenness. Mm, sloppy drunk. They do drugs. That's different. I'm, I'm petty, but I don't do all that. Don't forget where you came from. And if we don't forget where we came from, maybe it will compel us to love people like we should love people. That's why people can come around me and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor Reverend." Like, I wasn't born in no church. I used to do the same thing you're doing and you ain't even doing it good. You might want well to come on to Jesus because you're not doing it right. Go to hell, bust wide open. That's what that's my philosophy. That was my philosophy. Some of y'all heard my story. My uncle had me persuaded I was going to hell. He said you can only sin 777 times. Based on the scripture. I couldn't do math. Once I learned how to do math, I say, wait a minute. That's not what he was saying. Let me turn back, and go to church. I really, brother, I really thought I was going to hell based on what my uncle told me. I thought I was going to hell. I say, Oh, it's gonna be scary down there, but hey. Might as well get my time in over here. (laughs) Might as well get it. And there are people who sit in these seats who still don't know they're forgiven. There are people on your job. There are people at your school. There are people on your block. They don't know. And they ain't going to know unless we remember where we came from. And we remember that somebody came and told me. And we remember that sometimes when people told me, it felt a little awkward, but it was good for me. How would they know if no one preaches? And how would we preach if we don't remember who he is and what we're supposed to preach? That our lives are supposed to be our best sermons. So I'm going to ask my wife to come and lead us in communion. Before I do that, as you prepare your hearts for communion, I want you to remember your story. Some of you have been in the church for a whole long time. you got to think further back. Some of y'all last week, it ain't hard to remember, just last week. Remember your story and what God has brought you from and how grateful you are to him for what he's done. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.